Whatever it is you want to do in life, you'll be able to do. It's always you versus you. That it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, you can achieve anything that you set your mind to. Spend the rest of your natural life waking up and going after it. This is my purpose, and you will not stop me. You are listening to Mojo Sports. Thanks for joining in Focus and tuning into the second part of my interview with Gabby Lockyer. Okay, Gabby, what are some of the famous names and people that you've interviewed along the way? Mike Tyndall came from Bath to play for Gloucester. He had met Zara, Princess Zara. Um, at- this is Zara Phillips? Yes. Zara yeah, Phillip. this is Princess Anne's daughter. I That's think. right, Princess yeah. Anne's daughter. Yeah. So um, Gloucestershire has Gatcombe, which is where Princess Anne lives. Mm. Several other royals, including Prince Charles, mm-hmm. um, who live around and about sort of mm-hmm. overlooking. So he had met Zara um, at the World Cup. She'd gone out with some friends um, to Sydney. Yeah. Um, and um, Mike was in the same bar and Austin Healy introduced them and the whole story, I think, as everybody knows. Yeah. They ended up getting together and exchanging numbers. He played for Bath at the time. Um, she lived in Gatcombe and was preparing for equestrianism um, with the Olympic Games. So she wasn't moving anywhere. Why should yeah. she? They ended up getting together and he moved into Gatcom. Princess Anne has a little area down the bottom where they have a cottage and that was their cottage. Mm. And at the time it was a big thing. Oh, you know, they're they're together, isn't it great? And I had persecuted this man for the best part of a year trying to get an interview with the pair of them. Oh. I'm like, you're both in Gloucestershire. It's, it's the, you're the lead story on my newspaper. We've got to have you. You know, we're going. To, we want to promote Zara's equestrianism. We want to promote you. As he was then the England rugby captain as well. Yeah. Uh, we want to promote obviously you. It looked good for you know the newspaper. It looks good for Gloucester. Blah blah blah. And it would be a feature. I was going to do a feature interview. Nothing mm-hmm. particularly overwhelming or frightening. It was just a nice piece. He finally, he went backwards and forwards with the royal office to try and see how I could do it. He kept giving me, yeah, I don't mind doing it, but Zara's a bit reluctant, you know. Anyway, after several years of reporting with him, he kind of, we had a good good relationship, you know. He knew that I wasn't going to do anything which was going to be detrimental to either of them. Yep. So eventually she agreed. They wanted to see my questions beforehand, all that normal stuff that you get as a journal, especially in a high-profile interview. Yeah. Um, and then they invited me to this cottage. So I drove up to Gatcombe, and I tell you, that was I've never spent so long picking a wardrobe. <laughs> never. Um, and Did I, you have to practice all your sort of, like, formal greetings? Not at all. Oh, goodness. Not at all. And Zara Phillips, when she's in proper company, yes, you would. Yeah. But no, she was in her riding gear. Mm. She was just coming back with her horse and she was filthy. Mm. And she'd said to me, look, go and wait in the office. Like a small building they converted into an office. And I'll go back to the house. I'm going to have a shower and get changed. I'll come down. Mike will be there. I'll send Mike down. So I sat in this office twiddling my thumbs for a little while thinking I, I know all my questions I hope my radio I hope my recorder works I hope everything's this and, you know everything's going through your mind this is like the biggest interview I'm ever going to do yeah he didn't turn up but she turned up and she turned up wearing oh, could only be described as a pair of pajamas and a big baggy top I knew that I had a photographer taking oh pictures. wow okay 
Mike wore his comfortable clothes as well. And they were sat on the sofa in this office. And I and my photographer said, look, do you want me to get the pictures done first so that you can then relax into your interview? And they both said, yeah, that's no problem. I, and he, my photographer actually said to them, do you want to get changed or are you happy in these clothes? Yeah. And they went, oh, no, no, it's fine like this. And I sat there and went, do they think this is just a local yokel newspaper interview? You know, it's yeah, right. major. Are they, are they being disparaging? I'm sure that the royal family, look, would would be sitting in advisors and like wardrobe departments <laughs> they did not care oh wow so we had this conversation they actually showed me an article that they had done in, I think it was actually in, Gap, in Gapcom it was Gapcom House so I think it was actually because it was up against this big plinth of a fireplace yeah and they had her leaning there and she was it was a fashion company that had done the interview but they had twisted all of her words yeah. And they had made it sound like she was saying this about this person and this about this product and this about the um, British Equestrian Association. That's annoying. She said, you know, I really want to see your piece before it goes to print because, you know, I've been burnt and I this is not what I was expecting. Yeah, right. Yeah, sure, of course. And you're like, please, I really don't want to send you what I write. I just want it to go out. Anyway, I said, yeah, no problem at all. And we... We chatted for ages. I had so much material. I ended up writing seven pages that got abridged. But it was such a long interview I had with these guys. We got some lovely photographs, then told me that they were engaged, which oh. was something that... So you were the... you were the... else knew. Wow. <laughs> and I sort of went, oh, you know, they said, oh, you know. And then, of course, when Mike asked me to marry you know, well, when we got engaged in this business, and, uh, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. Did, yeah. did anybody else know that? Yeah. Hang on. What a scoop, Gabby. Finished, we finished the interview. And somebody had once said to me, if you ever go to someone's house to interview them, they let you go to their house, go in and go to the bathroom. Because oh. that's where you find out what the real person is like. Really? <laughs> so anyway, we finished the interview and they said, um, you know, do you need, do you want, is there anything else? I said, do you mind if I use your bathroom? No, no, no problem at all. So they said, well, there isn't one in the office. Let's go back to the house. They took me to their little cottage, which was beautiful, mm. absolutely beautiful. And um, Zara was mocking this enormous television that Mike had yeah. um, on the wall opposite the door. He played on the Xbox with all the equivalent at the time with his other rugby friends from all over the place. So yeah. I sort of stood there for a while and they went, oh, yeah, the bathroom's here. And I went through this entrance way and there must have been 30 pairs of Wellington boots there mm. riding boots and wellies because they obviously had the dogs that they'd go out with as well yeah and this sort of scruffy but tidy bathroom in this cottage and I came out going well I followed the advice I don't actually think I learned anything from the bathroom but I learned a lot from just popping into the house and seeing the television set and finding out about how the two of them go and they they literally cuddled and held hands the whole way through this interview oh, wow. and took the mickey out of each other and everything and that to this day is still the biggest thing that I have ever done. Wow, I think that beats Joan and Oma, I'm not quite sure. That is, yeah, I mean, like, quite a highlight yeah. <laughs> in your career. Yeah. I mean, how's that? You're, you're there to interview a sports person and then, like, um, obviously, they're both sports people, obviously, her equestrian work and his um, rugby work. But just the other uh, royal aspect as well, just, yeah. like, you know, takes it really to the next level. Yeah. 
really daunting. But that article got scooped, so I um, oh. I went in the news, went for the hour. Uh, we had a, a weekly magazine that came out, and it went in this magazine, and it got picked up by everyone basically yeah, wow. it got picked up by nationals it got picked up by new zealand papers australian papers everybody wanted a little bit about them so go you go you oh fantastic that you were the person there to, i mean like obviously they were comfortable enough to, to be so frank yeah. and open with you and yeah. that's, that's something that's quite hard to build yeah yeah to get to have your subjects relaxed for yeah. you to be able to even get that information from them oh wow i mean like that's a highlight would you say that was your biggest I think so. I think as sometimes I wonder, I was talking to my husband about this before um, I came on and I was saying, you know, of all the things that I've enjoyed, because I loved it. I loved being a journalist. Mm. All its pitfalls. What what was the best one? And he said, well, you know, you had the Navratilova one and you had the, the Royal one and you had the Joan Lomu one. And he starts reeling off all these things. I kind of sat there and went, you know what? I just... The, I, I was always excited. I loved my job. Even when I would sit there and write a darts column, I still loved it. Everything about it was fun and it was what I loved to do. And it was it was where my happy place was, talking yeah. about sport, doing sport, knowing, learning about sports I didn't know about. Yes. Going out to motocross, which I'd never done before and was completely wrongly dressed for. I met athletes, I'd, I'd have to go before Europeans and Olympics, I'd have to go out to random stadia and interview athletes. It was, you know, I'm, and some of the younger ones that were coming through are now in the Olympic Games. I remember watching the Olympics um, in Tokyo and saying, oh, hang on, I interviewed her when she was 13. It all throws me when I meet a famous person now. You know, we we my husband still sort of goes a bit jelly legged. I kind of go, oh yeah, yeah, no, yeah, and sort of move on. But we we had George Gregan's son here for a while at school, mm-hmm. and he forgot all his rugby kit one day. So the doorbell rang, and it, his face appeared at my camera that said, um, "Oh, hello, is that Mrs. Lockyer?" <laughs> yes, it is Mrs. Lockyer, and uh, oh, it's George Gregan here. My son's left his rug and I've come to bring his rugby kit in. Is that okay? I'm like, yeah, sure. Opened the door, turned off the audio. I went, oh, my God, George Gregan. <laughs> Hang on a second. What am I doing here? <laughs> oh. oh, wow. So you, you still can be starstruck. Or Absolutely. Just sort of like bowled over at, at meeting someone with such a high Absolutely. profile. Um, I imagine that there'd be a few other high profile parents around the traps um, yes we've had a few a few famous people around here you've obviously witnessed um you know females in sport your evolution i could not help but uh, think about a comment the video i had watched you know in preparation for our chat today where um someone had asked i think it was steve dowling coach of the english team 91 asked him oh what's different about the women's game and the men's game I think his remark was it's the same game <laughs> you just make adjustments um, whether it be kicking or the line out and such and you know 2022 which is quite quite a few years <laughs> from 
from that interview, you know, you hear people now, I guess, sort of finding reasons to not have to watch the women's game or, you know, how there's like um, obviously a few opinions. And interesting that the same response is coming out. It's the mm-hmm. same game. You, know, you just make adjustments to the game. We've known that for a long time, but it's still the same message that we're hearing now. Um, and attitudes are changing much like, and I think it was Alice Cooper was one of the rugby committee members who I saw in this interview. And she said, you know, in the first 10 minutes of watching women's rugby, you're going to forget about the, the biology of who's Absolutely. playing it because it's about the game. It's the same intensity, you know, like they talk about how the women work hard, you know, they you know, obviously they're trying to prove themselves a little bit more in order to justify an audience growing the, the game. Have you sort of found yourself sort of watching and hearing any of this commentary and hearing what the promotion, you know, sounds like for it? Do you sort of say to yourself, oh, well, this is something I've known about for a long time? Or do you sort of feel now that, oh, gosh, it's taken a while for them to, to get it, but at least they get it? I think a bit of both. I think it took so long for them to get proper coverage that was as close to equal to the men's game. This yeah. is in, in the UK. Yeah. Um, once they got it, I mean, you've got women on the RFU board now. Yeah. Because, not because they're women and not because they've played or they've organised World Cups. It's because they know what they're talking about. Yeah. And the more that filters through, the more things will be taken for granted, which is exactly what we want. If you look at the AFLW, it's gone from being a, a a sport on the local park to they're playing at the same stadium they're getting the same television coverage yeah you know the crowds are enormous and you you can turn up to a game and not know whether you're watching men or women or not care rather if you're watching men or yeah. women you turn up to go oh, wow this is an amazing game yeah and then you look at the names on the sheet and you go wow you know that's that is amazing yeah because, you know that's not quite what I expected to see yeah. But ultimately, that second reaction is going to keep happening. Yeah. I remember the first game I was, first England game I watched as a journalist. And the male journalist, one of the male journalists sitting next to me, um, they, they liked to come and sit next to me at the start because I knew the names of the players. Yeah, right. I could spot them. It wasn't just to put in a name to a number. I could spot who was doing what. Because I sat next to me and went, it's very skillful, isn't it? It's very intense in the skill set. You know, look at the kicking. It's, it's inch perfect and this, that and the other. And you're like, why shouldn't it be? Yeah. So yeah. I can see their point because it's the unknown and they're bringing it to the fore. It's like tasting something for the first time and you go, oh, that was different than I expected. And I, and I quite like it. Mm. And AFLW has succeeded. Women's cricket has succeeded out of this world. Yeah. Some of those other sports are still fighting that. They've yeah. still got to get that, that support. And here we're finding that involvement in men's rugby is falling. Yes. Because there are so many other sports out there, and AFL is a massive one, mm. um, that are gaining more support. So what we don't want to lose is the whole umbrella. You don't want to lose the women's involvement as well. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Any sort of standout sort of moments that you sort of witnessed um, over its evolution where you thought, not a good idea? (laughs) You've seen too many of those and you've gone, keep doing that. That's the right way to get um, success in this game, to get participation, to get 
the audience growth and to get the equivalency of what the men's game have? I think seeing what happened in Holland and how receptive everybody was that was there, not just the Dutch, but everybody was that were there. So you obviously, you know, you've got wives and husbands and you've got kids and you've got partners and you've got everybody there and you're suddenly bringing in a whole different audience. Yeah. You know, it just used to be you and your mum or your girlfriend or whoever. And suddenly you've got a whole audience of people coming to watch the game and enjoy it. That was a big sea change. When I played at Saracens, the women were not allowed to use the changing rooms. Yeah. So where were you getting changed? In the car park? And the, <coughs> yeah. and the, the... end up in your kit, your boots off and put a towel on your chair. Yeah, right. Um, and you went home. Yeah, no changing rooms. Yeah. And I remember when we were allowed to use the changing room and this huge roar echoed, when we were in it, echoed around the changing room. In this crappy old stand, it was a one stand ground in a park yeah. like that, where somebody makes a decision that's either horrendous, like the 91 World Cup, yeah. to some extent the 94, or amazing, and it starts this ball rolling. And the BBC broadcasting, just that first kick was the first thing, and then broadcasting a whole game in the preamble to the men's game, and then sort of covering the World Cup in Spain, I got articles bought by The Guardian. I got articles wow. by The Times. You know, The Times had a, a really very famous writer for men's and, well, he ended up covering women's, but he couldn't be everywhere. So I had articles for them. I had articles bought by New Zealand rugby magazines. So there were lots of things that I felt, wow, people are buying into this now, quite literally, things are going to change for the better and then you slowly but surely you could see things escalating and, and yeah. how much better they've got and I think now that there is some influence um boards of control that I think it can it can only improve it it's going to take a while these things always do I mean you say that it takes time but it, and I probably sound a little bit impatient when I say this but I often think to myself there's been a lot of time passed yeah. I'm always surprised because people say, oh, things need to change. It's like, well, they were supposed to change back then. It's been nearly 30 years. Mm, and, and it felt like the progress has been snail's pace. Maybe a snail has been faster than us. I don't know. But we, we just still seem to be going over the same messaging, the same um, lessons that we're trying to, to relearn or, or teach. It's 2022 and the, the realising a lot of things that was realised very early on. Do, do you think it's going to be another 30 years? We'll see, you know, a significant change or less? that they have the wherewithal in mm. the IRB to look at other organisations yep. and see what they have done. The Americans can push a little bit harder. They have the experiences and the wherewithal to push the game forward much more quickly yeah they're very efficient people yeah and I think they also understand that machine of of like turning out and delivering something like that it's an entertainment industry sport is an entertainment industry that's true I'd like to think it doesn't take another 30 years I'd like to think somebody turns around and goes right if you want our money this is what you have to do it depends who's providing the money the funding is is a huge aspect mm. as well and that everyone wants to see the return on their investment of course uh, which is a big factor 
want to ask you, um, is there any advice that you would give to someone as perhaps, you know, looking to enter, you know, sport as a player, uh, lessons that you've taken on or advice that you would impart to others? Depending on the kind of sport you're going to do, you know, if it's a contact sport, obviously you have to listen to your body because yeah. sport is a very short-term career. While it's incredibly intense that you're, when you're doing it, you want to be able to walk at the end. Yes. You want to be able to have the memories. You want to get to the point where you've taken that many concussions that you can't remember anything. Yeah. So I think if you're going to do a contact sport, listening to your body is the first thing because it, it's got to last the distance and you've got to remember the things that you did because there's no point doing them otherwise. You do it for yourself. You don't do it for anybody else. And hopefully you don't do it for the money. Um, you do it because it's your passion. In this day and age, you have to be professional. If there's something that Jill Burns taught me in those very first days, it's that whatever you do, whatever you take on, you be professional about it. You take care of every single part of your career. Yeah. That's from your own finances. You can look after your family, which is essential because they'll be there at the beginning and the end. Yes. You look after yourself, as I've said, physically and mentally. Watch out for other people because... If you are a professional in any career, regardless of whether it's sport or teaching or whatever else, that professionalism will steer you through. Yeah. So how you treat other people, how you expect to be treated, the aura that you give off, um, and how you, you just generally carry yourself. Mm. You, you will be happy in your life if you're happy with it. Yeah. I've gone from playing to being a journalist, having the most amazing experiences, having a family, coming out to Australia, and I now work in front desk of a school. Absolutely love my job. Yeah. I could never see myself working with children in a million years, but I do. Yeah. Um, and every day is different. Yeah. And there are very few people in this world that can say they love their job every day. Yeah. yeah? That everything that I have always done, I've looked forward to getting up and going to work in the morning. Yeah. And... If you're happy doing that, even if you get bad days and whatever else, the overriding happiness means that at the end of the day, everybody else is happy. You know, it's a happy place to be. And life is too short. We're on this earth for too short a time to be miserable with it. That's true. You, you can't really do anything half, halfway. It has to be done properly. Going into journalism, whether you're male or female, don't expect it to be glamorous because it really isn't. Yes, I have had some lovely experiences but I've worked hard for them and I yeah. did make the tea and run around and cover motocross and darts and various other things that, you know, weren't part of my schedule of, you know, glamour that I thought I was going to go into when I first started it. Yeah. And if, if you're good to people and people want to be good to you back. Yeah. And if you're going into journalism or even marketing, if you're going into those industries with an attitude that you need to be cutthroat to survive no, you don't. You need to be respectful, be hardworking. One of the things I want to ask you uh, was um, about, you know, rugby. We go back to rugby, we go back to sport. Just wondering, what are you looking forward to um, in the future of sport or even in the game of rugby? Um, what are some of the things that you hope, um, you know, are going to be some positive change that we see come out over the next few years? Oh, there's been so many changes um, in rugby union with, you know, professional referees, with, um, you know, the use of, of um, you know, replays and um, ch law changes. I'm, I'm still to be convinced about law changes in the scrum. Mm. I would like to see that flow better. Mm. Um, I 
I would like to see l less reliance on the um, television official. Um, yeah. I think that that needs to change and it needs to change for the better. I think the idea of it was great in, when it originated, but sadly it takes up far too much time um, and it takes up, you know, far too much of people's patience yeah. as well. You know, if you're in the ground or if you're watching it um, at home, um, it needs to be improved. People are getting very frustrated with it. And there are some referees, you know, who are good referees and they won't make a decision they rely on the fourth official and that's not how rugby should be played. The whole point about rugby union is that it flows and it, it you know, when you, when you have your, your phases and you have your resets, it keeps going. People know there's always some kind of movement going on, you mm. know, even if it's everybody getting back into position, there's always something happening and yet we're stopping and everyone's standing with their hands on their hips, looking at the screen. And I think that's the big thing. That's the big positive that can be changed as things, as time moves on, we've got all this technology now, make it work better. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And, and honestly, that's a great take on um, where, where the game should really be. Mm. Uh, so I wanted to ask, you know, we are sort of coming to the end of our interview. And again, thank you. I am quite grateful for the time that you've given me, Gabby. wanted to ask you, have you got any sort of remaining goals, um, you know, or anything that you want to achieve, um, you know, in your future or anything we should look out for, uh, for yourself or any remaining um, sort of goals that you are yet to achieve? um in terms of sporting wise or just generally in life both okay so um in life I want to see my kids do well um you know my son is just finishing his HSC um and has a very exciting future ahead um and I want to see him do what he wants to do and do it well yeah. um my daughter has a few more years at school um and has a world of opportunities in front of her as well so likewise for her um I'd like if if my husband and my life could just slow down a little bit um <laughs> that that would be really nice and we would be very grateful to just actually enjoy not rushing around like crazy fools um so in terms of sort of life things I, I would there are certain things I would like to get back into doing um I've always wanted to do um a plumbing or a car mechanic course um and I'm thinking that might be something I finally do when I give up everything else I just think it's a <laughs> skill that I, I would like to have that I've never had uh, yeah. whether I'd be any good at it who knows um you'll find out I'd, when you give it exactly, a go <laughs> exactly um there's lots of things. I've got pie in the sky ideas. I'm thinking, would I study again or would I not? I think the biggest thing for me is I want to try and remain fit and healthy. Um, yeah. I've been very fortunate that I have been and injuries aside, I've, I've, you know, I've still been fine in terms of everything that I do. Um, and, you know, I've got a nice big family skiing holiday coming up at Christmas that we haven't been skiing for a while. Um, and this is a, a big one that we've invested in. So I'd like to be able to survive a skiing holiday and actually be fit enough to make it more than one day down the slopes. Yes. Um, and so that's my short term goal. My, my long term goal in sport is just just to sort of remain upright and mobile and healthy um, yes. so that I can enjoy everything that everybody else does around me. Yeah. I keep telling no, my no. son he's going to have to earn enough money to look after me. But, that's um, great. Yeah. yeah. That is great. <laughs> that's, no, no, that's like ambitious, that is... I think. Um, we do the Mojo 10 questionnaire. It's something that we ask everyone that comes onto the show. It gives us a little bit more info about your background and gives listeners a chance to hear about some of the uh, not-so-serious uh, stuff that colours uh, your personality. Um, so are you ready for the Mojo 10? Sure, absolutely. Great. Okay, question number one. 
Gabby, what's the best drink? The best drink um, depends. If it's alcoholic, um, it would have to be a vodka and Diet Coke with a slice of lemon. Um, Non-alcoholic has to be a banana smoothie. (laughs) You were the second person to say banana smoothie. Um, Could you please uh, describe to me why you would have a lemon slice with a Diet Coke? um, Don't know. Always, always have a lemon slice with, with Diet Coke and just stick whatever vodka or brandy in within it tastes fantastic so I don't know Habit. I'll have to give it a go yeah all right I'll have it. I haven't done it I'll give it a go <laughs> and uh question number two Gabby what's one thing you own that you should really throw out oh goodness I've got far too many clothes that need to be thrown out I'm several sizes too big for most of them um I should probably throw out <laughs> my white England shorts that I still have um, and that are um, nearly 30 years old. (laughs) Can I just say, Gabby, the number of people who have still held on to old um, like sports items, um, like, you know, football boots and shirts that they've had. um, So don't feel bad. (laughs) You can hold on to it. I I think you're allowed to keep that one. Yes. All right, question number three, have you ever asked someone for their autograph and who? Um, no, I have never asked anyone for their autograph, but I did get very close to asking George Gregan for his when he came and knocked on my door at school and called me Mrs Lockyer um, because he had to drop something off for his son. And I got very excited, but I never actually asked him for his autograph. Pretty close though, right? Very close. <laughs> Okay. All right. Question number four. What's the one thing you cannot live without? I would probably say, and it sounds terribly twee, um, I'd probably say my husband. I mentioned him quite a lot earlier, um, but he is my rock. um, And there are lots of things that drive me mad about him and likewise me, him. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's definitely a relationship that I, I treasure and something that I need. Um, oh, I, I, I'm not sure he would probably say the same, but <laughs> I give him too much grief. Oh no, that's lovely. That's lovely. Um, actually, how long have the two of you been married now? Uh, 23 years. Oh, that's that's actually really nice. And I think I recall you saying that the two of you had met not long after. Um, I think you were just sort of heading out of your uh, rugby playing days and then the two of you met up. Um, I was still playing and mm-hmm. he encouraged me to keep playing because um, I was ready to sort of stop and focus on a career. Um, yeah. And he encouraged me to keep playing, which I'm pleased I did. Um, yeah. And I was actually, I suppose I was probably just kicking into my um journalistic career um and that's when I sort of met him and and we relocated out of London oh wow it's nice that you've got um a great uh, cheerleader there and a motivator um in Mm. your corner I think he is my number one fan I think he fights for that battle with my mother well I mean like for anyone who's uh listening on um you know on the show uh, on to the show today would um may not know that um, it was actually him who promoted you to me in order for the two of us to catch up in the first that's place. right so, yes so, yeah. well question number five Gabby is what is the your favorite action movie um okay um 
sad as it is, I love the Die Hard movies. <laughs> All of them. I love them. Um, so, yeah, any, any, any of those, really. Is it Bruce Willis or is it just yeah. the action? No, I think it's the comedic value of Bruce Willis. I mean, I'm, I, I, I love James Bond films, but I would only ever watch them at the cinema when they first come out, whereas I will watch a Bruce Willis or, uh, sorry, I'll watch a Die Hard film anywhere, anytime. So. Well, and are you one of these people that still say that Die Hard is a Christmas movie? Yeah, <laughs> I am. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, that's actually a good movie, Die Hard, um, and the entire franchise is one that sort of lives on for a long time. Yeah. All right. Question number six, Gabby. Favorite favorite smell? Um, I love the smell of toast. I must be one of a million people that say that. Um, but you know, I just I love the smell of fresh coffee, but I don't drink coffee. Mm -hmm. um but the smell of fresh toast is just one that I die for it's fabulous Mm. does the um bread that is toasted make a difference in the smell or is it just it's got to be really cheap cheesy white bread that makes the most the best smell really otherwise you don't want to toast it no that's true that's true (laughs) all right question number seven what is the most used app on your phone um that would have to be my emails Mm. Um, <laughs> um I I yeah my gmail is constantly being checked because um you know, my family have got so many different things going on and I tend to sort of organize everybody and everything so I'm checking my emails all the time okay is this the number two sort of coming out a little bit um just has to know what's going on maybe maybe the busybody okay. yeah maybe <laughs> okay um Question number eight, you get one song to listen to for the rest of your life. What is it? Um, oh, my goodness. I actually like, um, I think it's called Beautiful by James Blunt. Um, it, it always brings a tear to my eye um, whenever I listen to it. And um, it was actually released um, around the same time that my son was born. So and whenever I changed his nappy, I would always put the radio on um in his nursery in his room um and ridiculously it came on all the time wow um so it, it sort of stuck with me and it, it stayed with me forever does he know that does he know yes, that his nappies bring on absolutely <laughs> absolutely he, he 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 always kind of looks at me and wonders why I, I tear up whenever that song comes on I just let oh, him know that lovely. it's the song yeah that's lovely um question number nine best advice you've ever received um, that was my dad. Um, and he said to me, no one is indispensable, but let them think that you are dis- indispensable. Mm. Um, it was, I was going for a job and um, I wasn't sure what I should do, um, whether I should leave the previous job. What, and my dad said, you know what, you go into a job, make yourself indispensable. Everybody will always think that they need you. But mm. actually, nobody is indispensable and always remember that. Yeah, that's great advice. That's great advice. I can I can imagine a lot of listeners thinking, hmm, I'll be taking that one on. <laughs> I, I actually, I, 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 I tossed up between that one and another piece of advice that um, a rugby coach, can I, can I give you a second one? Go for it. Go for it. So when I was covering Gloucester Rugby, um, mm. the coach at the time was Dean Ryan. 
right. he played for um, Bristol, played for England. Um, and he always used to say, some people, we would ask him questions, do you, do you criticise so-and-so for making this mistake? Do you think this should have been better? And he would always re- reply with the same thing, which was, everything happens for a reason you have to take things back to first principles you know the reason that that happened was not because he didn't drop the ball because it was a bad pass or because his hands were greasy or he wasn't watching the ball he dropped the ball because it shouldn't have been passed in the first place at that time because of what happened three or four phases back and I kind of I always that's that's something I always go by as well which is you know don't blame this think back to why it happened in the first place Mm, that is really good too. Oh, Dean Ryan. Wow. That's actually really good. Mm. Oh, no, that's great advice. Yeah, well, he definitely. was quite a cerebral coach, was Dean. Mm. Yes, he liked, he, liked, he liked to give a good sort of thinking re- reply when you went to your post match interviews with him. <laughs> that's a good one. That's a good one. Um, all right, question number 10. Describe the rest of your life in five words. This could be five indiv- individual words or it could be five words that make a sentence. Looking forward to retirement. That's only four words. I can't think the, of mm, it. Soon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that works. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, looking forward to retirement soon. Yes, no, yeah. it's not soon. Yes, um, I can't think of a fifth word. I have to try and think of one with five words. That's all um, right. You're just keeping it short and sweet is the way to do it, I find. Oh, can't wait till I retire. How about that? That's five words. Yeah, that works as well. Mm. <laughs> well, thank you, uh, Gabby. That is uh, the entire Mojo 10. Well done. Um, I think you got all the questions right. <laughs> there are no prizes. <laughs> 10 out of 10. Thanks very much. <laughs> Uh, Gabby, um, I wanted to express my thanks so much uh, for you uh, coming on to the show. Um, I've certainly sort of gone back through and re-listened to uh, parts of our uh, interview and, you know, it's like, oh, my gosh, there's just been so much that you've achieved, so many people you've (laughs) met. Um, But also I think one of the things that really come through is that you're really quite um, a persevering person. Um, You know, once you put your mind to it, you go for it. But also you've got that great discipline that comes with I think it's perhaps something that comes with anyone who does sport you know you know what the job is to do you do everything that there is to do it but you also you know skill up and understand and learn from others on how to do it better but you do mm. it not because it's the thing to do, it's because you want to do it and and, and I think that really comes through and it's very um, flattering thank you <laughs> <laughs> but also like when I even heard about you know some of the challenges that sort of came about you know with you know trying to break into sports journalism I mean I admire the fact that you you know you reached out to that gentleman to try and get yourself a job um, you know with him and then you kept pestering him I don't know pestering is perhaps the right word but um, and then finally the opportunity came up uh, for you you know you saw what it was and you made it work and you excelled at it I mean I mean, it's just wonderful. And, and I've really enjoyed hearing about not only your playing days, you know, also your your um, opportunities that you've had to travel to also see and meet so many um, people, but also the fact that you've been able to do that, raise a family, you know, and still maintain your connections with sport now. And, um, and even just hearing now about what you're looking forward to, you know, um, yeah, really just quite 
just touched, you know. I, I think many of our listeners would uh, take away uh, from this interview that, you know, Gabby, you got it all sorted. Oh, bless you. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure and it's uh, very flattering and I'm quite honoured that you asked me and, uh, and I hope it all goes well with all your other interviews. Thank you, Gabby. Um, and um, enjoy and take care. Thank you and you. You have been listening to Mojo Sports. Thank you for your support. It is very much appreciated. The team and I are trying to build something a little different here, so everyone's support is very much appreciated. Continue to support the podcast, download, subscribe, check out our social media channels, give us a follow, and be sure to tell your friends about Australia's best-kept secret. This is Mojo Sports.